0: All right, welcome to Talking Chalk Season Two. I'm your host Jamie. <laughs> With me, as always, is my esteemed co-host Ian Goodenough. Ian, it's almost Bobby Witt Jr. season.
1: It is Bobby Witt Jr. season. The I heard the sound off that bat today. Uh, I didn't even wasn't even following the game because I haven't I haven't had a Kansas City Royal. I think you know ever or at least in a very long time. So I'm not used to, like I've just begun the last couple of days to check box scores, and I I'm not in the mode of checking Kansas City box scores yet. And Mook texted me. And of course, I had to go to Twitter and find that uh that clip that I sent you uh to the uh the sweet sound off that man's bat.
0: Yeah, that was a sweet crack of the bat. Uh so he doesn't hit the he
1: doesn't hit the cheapies either, man. That one was like off like to the back of the lawn.
0: Hopefully they uh they start him in you know in the starting lineup or at least called up at the start of the season. Uh seems like they yeah. fixed some of that in the CBA where you're actually incentivized to bring guys up. Um the teams get rewarded if guys Win rookie of the year or even second or third place. So um, that'd be great if some of these top prospects, you know, the Chris Bryant type stories didn't have to spend six weeks working on their defense uh, and then get caught up in, in late May or early June.
1: Yeah. And it's just, it's just one of those things that you hope it works out because it's just good for baseball. A prospect who's been hyped as much as wit for a fan base of a, you know, although the Royals won the World Series, you know, five years ago or whatever, it's like a mid market team. It's like, I don't know, it's something they've probably been very excited about as a fan base. And I think a lot of us, just baseball fans, have been excited about uh, to see him. Like, he's kind of one of those guys, like, you know, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I know there's been a lot more, but I remember when Strasburg got called up, we were all excited to see that. Um, you know, Bryce Harper, uh, yep. you know, guys like that. So,
0: yeah, Witt especially seems like one of those offensive dynamos. Obviously, he plays short. Uh, sometimes he's not the number one rookie on one of the lists because Adley Rushman plays good defense and, you know, um, uh, but you know, Whit is definitely one of those prime rush traded. Should we, t- uh, are we yep. gonna talk? So, I know we're not, I know we're not like
1: in that mode, but I guess that'll tie, hopefully that'll tie in with one of our managers we talked about tonight. So
0: I, I did want to mention, it seems like people listened to the last episode talking about the bottom eight teams and I don't know, Pat, if Pat, Listened and decided to choose a direction, but uh I know that's been making a
1: lot of calls.
0: Yeah. So speaking of wit, I think you guys had a, at least a brief conversation about wit.
1: Uh yes, Pat uh I mentioned the next pat that I was clogged at third base because with playing third base apparently to start the year. I'd prefer him to get eligibility in second in addition already had him short. And so Pat texted me immediately and I thought he was asking about Austin Riley. And I said, you can't afford him, Pat. And he goes, Oh no, I want Bobby Witt jr. And I was like, you really can't afford him. Pat."
0: So that's interesting too, because he reached out to me about Julio Rodriguez. Obviously he reached out to duty and duty had been, you know, shopping Adley for the last month and a half after we talked to him and talked about how great his team was and that he needed to make these moves to kind of go for it this season. Uh, and that deal did happen. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second, but I was curious, you know, what's your thinking on wit in terms of, you know, being a tradable asset, a young player, but you're also looking to compete this year. So what was that? Yeah. Like?
1: So the, the interesting thing with me is like, okay, so you're in the, we always talk about prospects have their most value right now. Like wit is pretty much is other than, cause if he, if he proves himself, if he comes out hitting and he proves himself, then he's a totally unmovable asset because once you become that elite player, you just there's you can't get value from it all. So this is the most value he would have where you would think about trading him in that. So Pat offered uh, Lance Lynn and J D Martinez or some not explicitly, but something around you know that was what he listed off. You know, obviously a proven outfielder and then another this year pitcher. Um, both you know, of them,
0: or separate and separate.
1: I I assume both of them. Okay. So. Uh, now that being said, it's now not only is wit I think just hard to trade anyway because you know you get that prospect love and I'm I'm yeah. in love right now, you know. But there's also the other way, and I we can talk about my team structure and all of that. But I think as much as I'm trying to compete this year, I still have the glass nows holding glass now through the year. Right. Uh, not like I have extra picks, and my team being very young still, it's not like I'm I'm trying to get the like when I said with the MOOC trade of Kalenic for Lynn last year, it's like he was at the end of the Scherzer career. Right. Um, you know, I think he was at a little bit of a different point. Uh, so that's, whereas all of my guys are very young. Um, this is what I think, what I hope to be the beginning of a window.
0: Right. So how close is a Lance Lynn and JD Martinez package for Bobby Witt? I think it's pretty,
1: I think value-wise it's actually not, not bad i think it's it's at least makes you think um but yeah it's very i i think i think i don't know it's part of its prospect love too but the other thing is i mean wit wit could be a 30 30 player right and he you know and the way that he's just the way that he looked last year it's just it's so hard to uh i don't and i text you i think earlier this week i was like is he completely unmovable
0: yeah so this point That's kind of my thinking because Pat and I had a similar conversation about Julio Rodriguez and initially he offered me all the keepers that he actually ended up changing his mind on. So the Vados, uh, the Dar, not Darvish, but, uh, someone else that he he swapped out. Uh, so I don't even think he wanted those guys, but it did come down to kind of a Lynn and JD Martinez. Uh, and my impression was he was only offering one of those guys. Uh, and I'm not interested in that at this point. I know, Brendan and I danced around Lynn for J, uh, Julio, last Julio Rodriguez
1: last year. Yeah.
0: But, you know, with another year under Lynn's belt of getting older uh, and Julio yep. being that much closer, especially last year was not a disappointment in the minors for him, nor was it for Bobby Witt. Um, and I'm not in a <clears> position <throat> where I can even keep J.D. Martinez or Lance Lynn, really, you know, they're 34 and 35 next year. they will be. 35, yeah, I think. And, and that's the
1: idea. Whenever you're trading, you know, whatever you call it two two you know two quarters for 50 cents or whatever or you know however the problem is obviously always how do you carry it forward uh so yeah i think the idea if you're doing a trade like for a jd or a lynn you're you're doing it with the idea of oh maybe i keep one of them the next year but with the idea of both of them being you know easily top 100 players that help you out this year
0: right right so i told pat like i don't even think the two of them gets it done it you'd have to offer more and that trade first of all, get vetoed and I still might not take it and he might not be willing to offer it. So like, you're right. Th- these players and, and I know Julio is like a one B or you can call him the second, but he, I think Wit and Julio are like the, the really exciting top tier prospects that can contribute this year immediately and be like stellar mainstays of franchises. And I think that at yeah, this point, I, they're I think, somewhat I think, yeah,
1: yeah, Rodriguez is considered the best hitter in the minors and best all around hitter uh, from a fantasy perspective. However, Witt, I think not only has a little bit of the flash and the name recognition of, uh, of that, but, and being a, you know, a number two overall draft pick, but obviously adds the speed and the infield and and all that stuff.
0: And he's uh, he's probably three or four months ahead of Rodriguez. You know, it it seems like he's going to start the season, but you know, he doesn't have as many uh, double A and triple A at bats as Witt does.
1: Yeah, yeah. It seems like like Wit probably could have come up at the end of last year. Uh, it seems like certainly ready to come up this year. And uh, yeah.
0: But comparatively, you know, Adley Rushman, Pat was able to get for you Darvish. I think that was a pretty decent trade for both, both Pat and, and Duty. I thought it made a ton of, of
1: sense. Yeah. Pat was actually texting me about that last night. I think from both perspectives, it made a lot of sense. I know Adley, he had talked to her duty. had talked to Adley with, Brendan with Perry with Trevor with Pat maybe with you I don't know well, I think I think the
0: uh, four you listed there the kind of rebuilding teams yeah made yeah, yeah which sense. all makes
1: sense and and I think what you said earlier made a lot of sense from duty in that if you're gonna invest in a player like Adley you're looking for as we said before like a you know a Buster Posey Joe Mauer type um, which is very valuable uh, although catching kind of just brings its own problems of. Yeah. Although there's the DH opportunity uh, there's the wear and tear of catching, how he adapts his, you know, years. It's almost investing like a starting pitcher in a way uh, in some ways anyway. And so I think, yeah, going to a team like that, that could harbor him so to speak and and nurture him through those times. Uh, Whereas duty's team seems like he's ready to go and it's better value for him. I think to get Darvish who is a pitcher who, you know, Pat said he wasn't going to keep him, but of course, I think we all agree Darvish would have gone in the first round if he wasn't kept. So right. for Duty, it's you know he's kind of like cashing in that prospect and getting a an immediate this year contributor uh, who's pretty solid.
0: And it frees up a rookie slot for Duty to take you know some contributor this year. So it's kind of a two for one. Mm-hmm. Um, that
1: too, yeah. It's interesting from fantasy perspective, Rushman being ranked number one on pretty much every prospect list over Wit, uh, but obviously with the catcher it, that you know that changes it in that he's rated higher on the prospect list for real baseball because he's a catcher. Right. Whereas for fantasy, you almost kind of discounted a little bit.
0: Right. Well, three years from now, if Julio Witt and Adley all reach their kind of peak value, like Adley might be one of the more valuable players. If he is that Buster Posey or Joe Maurer type. Yeah. Just because he's a catcher. But
1: yeah, Pat- if he hits, if he hits the peak of the Posey Maurer protocol of, you know, 20 plus home runs and batting three. Hundred from catcher. Yeah.
0: And, and walking a ton. uh, Yeah. But Pat's got to wait two or three years possibly for that, that ceiling, uh, whereas Witt and Julio might reach it a little bit faster.
1: Yeah, uh, exactly. And I, I still think though, even with that, it's like, although in that moment, it might be a little bit more valuable. I think just based on the, the volume of playing every single day, you know, you don't know whether or not he's going to play DH, uh, but also just the longevity too of, you know, catchers pretty much, typically die by the time they're 30. Uh whereas, you know, you know, Rodriguez and Witt, right. why can't, you know, you you think you think a longer time horizon.
0: Yeah, they get they get 10 years before they turn 32. Like that's a yeah. We'd be in year 25 of the league before they turn 32 before so.
1: before they're hitting their geez, we're getting old.
0: But yeah, Pat uh, cashed in you Darvis, who's 35, 36 as well. So you know I think that's a good move for him. We talked about how weak his keeper set was, how little draft capital he had. Uh so Adley was a good get for him. But that's a lot of talk about teams we've already talked about. Um let's start with the the top six here. So we covered Ben through Trevor, seven through 14 last week. Uh ranking in at number six here is Mook's team. Uh so Mook is really led by Acuna, who's gonna seem like he's gonna miss about a month, month and a half of the season here. Um, but Mook comes in at $185 one of the younger keeper sets average age, age of 27 uh and Mook's value as high as it is is really hurt by the fact that the the systems don't really care for a clinic but otherwise he's got seven really strong keepers uh and a, and a pretty good team along with draft capital this year so Mook's got some things to be excited about
1: uh yeah so he's yeah i i, I feel like we obviously talked about his team a lot uh you know with on his previous podcast, uh, he's seemed to be kind of, you know, in this next grouping, we kind of have the teams that are a little closer, although there's not a huge separation, uh, of this Mook's interesting in that, you know, he has the, I mentioned it before, kind of the older, the end of the Scherzer career. You don't know how much longer that's going to be going on, but at the same point has one of the best superstars in Acuna at such a young age. Uh, and I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, What else is there to say about his team right now? (laughs) I've kind of sorry, I'm kind of at a loss right now.
0: Yeah, I mean we we spent an hour and a half hour and a half talking to Mook about how good his team was and you know how he's grown as a a manager and has that um that little something that we only think a few teams have in terms of actually watching the games and being able to see a guy. Um I do have a question as we go over these top six teams, uh without naming names necessarily in, in the order, if these six teams made the playoffs would it surprise you?
1: Uh, looking at the list. No, I mean, I think, I think you look at this in the way, obviously it's like, you know, part of it's modeling stuff and, you know, the way projections work. But I think, I think this is a good representation of who I think the six best teams are.
0: Roger. So yeah, that, that's and mixed- I think,
1: I think, I think Ben, Ben being right below, I mean, I could see Ben getting in, but if I had to pick of, you know, I would pick these six down. Yeah,
0: I think so too. Kind of kind of passes the smell test, uh, even though you know the projection systems do what they do. Uh, so that, mm-hmm. that's MOOC at number six. Uh, number five, and I'll mention that based on some changes that you made at the last second, you do jump over into number four here. But, but let's talk about you. I had you originally at number five, now at number four. Uh, and we haven't talked about your team all that much, but you've got good, exciting young players. You've got a core that is young. You've got basically the youngest team in the league along with Josh and Brendan, but you actually have a ton more keeper value than those two. Uh, And you've got a unique situation in the fact that you've got wit as a contributor this year, the system likes him for about $10. Um, Again, thinking he'll he'll be a a productive rookie there. Uh, And you also have a, you know, a keeper in Tyler glass now that's going to be a flat zero this year uh, for the most part. So you know, I think if you had kept somebody else besides Glass, Glass now, then you really would have jumped up another fifteen dollars on the li- this list, been one of the top uh, two or three. Teams. I assume if
1: I kept Gallon over, obviously I switched Marte for Gallon, but if I kept yep. Gallon over Glass now, yeah,
0: yeah, you would have uh, certainly jumped up. I think probably another twelve dollars is what Gallon was. Uh, I think Marte was a better keep than Gallon. Uh, talk about that decision a little bit.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it really just came down to. Uh a couple of things. One, so I'm a big gallon fan, everybody's kind of known that. I believe a lot of things of him. Uh, uh frustrating year last year with multiple injuries. Uh I read he was having shoulder issues and wasn't going to start the year off this year, although it shouldn't set him back too much. I knew I was always going with a little bit of a I knew I was sacrificing the you know, the logical sure value of the hitting of Marte for gallon for the purposes of just having pitching. Cause I didn't want to just keep one starting pitcher. Uh, but it basically came down to, I mean, a little bit of uncertainty with gallon and just kind of realizing I'm going to just lean totally on my offense and try and go with a totally one-sided approach again, which is a lot, a lot like my team ended up being last year, uh, but kind of take a different crack of uh, trying to build the pitching staff throughout the year uh whereas I think going into last year my offense turned out to be really great but we were unsure about you know if Bichette and Devers were going right. to be able to make that next leap uh to really be elite players they've proven that Jordan Alvarez to be able to play a full season he proved that he even played some outfield you know I I think I, I just I looked at my offense and I was like you know with Cattell Marte and I you know I always say the infield and outfield eligibility a second base and outfield uh you know if he, he at least proved too that his 2019 wasn't a fluke, still a little bit of an injury risk problem, but, you know, maybe him playing second base instead of outfield will help him out as well. And I just, I don't know, a unique scenario of I had Riley break out as a draft pick and then, you know, Goldschmidt kind of find himself again. And I just look at this offense and it's like if, I don't know, I just think this offense can be so good uh, and just kind of hope to, you know, hope to build out pitching from there with picks.
0: So how do you think the building of the pitching staffs going to work i know that like like me you gave up your first three picks so you're starting in the fourth round uh, i'm not going to be shy
1: but I, I won't be shy about it i'm pretty much and i've kind of structured it this way so i made sure although i'm missing the first three picks i still have 10 picks in the first nine rounds uh because a lot of my picks i was able to acquire you know ninth or whatever round picks kind of yep. mid-round picks. so the strategy is that I'm not going to be shy about it. I'm going to be throwing a lot of darts, just dart after dart after dart. And hopefully you hit on, you know, four of them or so on starting pitchers. And it's like, I don't need, I don't need them to be world beaters, but we're just going to need to uh, just build out some semblance of a decent staff and and let the offense mash away.
0: Yeah, the uh, I feel like the building of a pitching staff is takes the entire season, whether you're coming in with one, uh, starter or three or four starters as keepers. the entirety of the season, you're looking for those seven or eight guys that you can trust. Uh, so it's the same task that everyone in the league has. You're just starting with just Freddie Peralta, kind of as the anchor. Um, and then, you know let's talk Tyler Glass now a little bit. So um, obviously at a stellar partial season last year, I think took a huge step forward compared to where he was. Uh, there was no, you know, thought to keep gallon or, or another player versus glass now. here, you're going to carry him for the entire year.
1: So I went back and forth this and the middle of the season last year, I always thought there was a chance I'd keep glass. Now, as I got, as things went on, I think as we got into the off season, I, I always want to leave the option open and it became pretty clear of not only do I have my own, just love for Tyler glass now that we talk about of, you know, this is somebody I always kind of liked as a prospect, never quite had him uh, traded for him, you know, while he was still developing him and he became what, you know, you always hope that he'd become last year. And then unfortunately uh, needed to get Tommy John. It comes down to one of those things of like, uh, obviously there's a huge, huge end talent and he can be a top five pitcher, I think. And that's such a rare commodity, but the other side of it too, of which really plays into this league is it's like, I'd rather keep him and hold him through the year than watch somebody else fuck him. Right. If that makes sense. It's like <laughs> right. the, you know, to, to watch, to see him do what he did last year, either, you know, not at the end of this year, but next year with somebody else would be that much more painful than to just hold him all this year. Uh, obviously there's still just the upside and all of that from him. Uh, but yeah, so that's, but that definitely played into it. The I don't know if you call it jealousy or fear or or what, but I I think, I think that plays into how we hang on to a lot of guys, uh, but it definitely played a part here.
0: I think that that probably plays in a little bit with the rookie trades that we were discussing earlier. Like, do you really want to go see Bobby Witt or Julio Rodriguez go blossom into a Bryce Harper or a, you know, a stellar top 10 player on another team? Uh, and I don't think anybody wants to. Like people hold on to those rookies for a little while because uh, they don't want to see them blossom on another team.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. And I, I mean, it's the, you know, we call it half of it's flag planning and all that and really believing, but the other half of it sometimes too is just the, you know, if he's going to do it, I'm going to make sure he does it with me and not anybody else.
0: Right. I mean, do you want your guys, you know, a lot of this is about competing and finding the edges and making the best moves. But part of it is, like you said, emotional, like you want to win with the guys that you have um, and you don't want anybody else to have them.
1: Yeah. Uh, And one of the followings things I'll say is that, you know, the way my season kind of went last year, it's kind of funny. My offense wasn't as great in the beginning. It did great in the second half as it came together, Devers had a little bit of a slow start, even Jordan to a point. Uh, but it was so much fun the beginning of the year having Peralta and Glass now together. I mean, when you got if I got three starts between them and they were each double digit, you know, each doing double digit 11 strikeouts K's every night. Yeah. yeah, just just going away on it. It was just so hopefully we're uh, we're gonna get that pair back together at some point.
0: Yeah, man. So question where do you think glass now goes? if you had released them back into the wild in the draft.
1: Definitely. I think definitely first round. And I think it's, I think there's a possibility that Brennan would have taken them at one. So I don't, I, so Brendan mentioned that to me at the end of last year, when we were at, we were hanging out in Dewey for a friend of ours bachelor party, who we actually just went to a wedding for this weekend. I don't know how serious he'd be because it's easy to say that. And then you get to the point, you see other people, but I, I think, so Sale went number, what was it? Third round or whatever after his Tommy John to duty fourth round.
0: Dur- yeah. During the year that he wasn't going to pitch. Um, yeah. Let me, let me check that. I think it was third or fourth round. Um, and then duty dropped him. So it's not like um, he even got anything from him. He went fourth round. Yep. Early fourth, fourth round. round.
1: I, I would think that glass now would go in the first round to somebody. So, but do you do you do you agree or disagree? I just I think the aspect with them is a little bit different of being younger.
0: So Sale was so there's three pitchers last year: Syndergaard Sale, and Severino, who are all coming back from Tommy John and were going to pitch during the year. And obviously, Syndergaard was kept, and I had my issues with that. But Sale was taken by me in the sixth, and then Severino was taken. Um, I think it was, I, I also took him. I think that was the sure, seven.
1: Forget about that stuff.
0: So I'm looking at Glasnow versus Severino. Severino is five months younger than Glasnow. Um, Severino has 500 innings in the league with an ERA of 3.43. Glasnow has yeah. 400 innings in the league with an ERA of four. Now I know that obviously Glasnow had a much rockier start to his uh, career than Severino, but it's amazing that you kind of compare those guys and they're not far off. Obviously glass now had the stellar season last year, but Severino had some stellar seasons as well. And Severino just kind of dropped. So I think the glass now, just the fact that you had dropped him and he got, he was so good recently. Maybe Brandon would have taken him at one, one, or maybe he wouldn't have gotten out of the first round, but
1: I I think part of it's the hindsightness of like his breakout was last year too. Right you know uh and and towards the second half of the shortened season you know he really started to put it together too but the i mean he's just so damn dominant like i mean he struck out 36% of the batters he faced last year
0: yeah i mean that's,
1: and, that's and, and the scary the scary thing about it too was he was he wasn't just going five or six innings he was going seven or eight innings a night yeah. and th- you know what i mean it's just it had uh it had all top 5 pitcher season all over it and obviously glass now had the good prospect pedigree behind that i think that plays into you know that kind of mindset of oh this is it this is what i've been waiting for the development of the third pitch with the slider i think just played into it a lot and obviously the fact that he throws 100 miles an hour
0: yeah i uh i was preparing for a redraft league and i was putting together some metrics uh basically doing the z score thing but for some like other stats that don't actually contribute to uh, Roto were head to head. So I was looking at like contact rates, swing strike rates, et cetera. And besides Degrom, who also uh, pitched a partial season, Tyler glass now was like number two on that list. He just had an amazing season last year. Like number yeah, one. I think, I
1: think, I think despite getting hurt in June, I think he ended up like 80th on the player rater.
0: Right. So yeah. I mean, if you're going to keep a guy, like that's the guy that you keep. I, I was just curious, like maybe he doesn't go in the first round, but maybe he does. And it's just, who knows? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it really could like you said, there's there's reason there's arguments for him to go as late as Salon Severino went. There's arguments for him to go in the first round, too. Uh I, I mean it comes down to one of those things. Like I said, I think at the end of the day, it was kind of irrelevant to me. I just I didn't right. want to risk it. And it's not like I had a first round pick where I could roll that dice. I, you know, I just yeah. to, to me it was the it was a decision of I just don't want to, I'm just gonna hold on to him and And I think for this year, I, you know, I kind of knew that last year with him being out. Like I said, I was kind of 50 50 of whether I was going to keep him or not, uh, where I kind of traded away those picks, knowing that this year would be Bobby Witt's rookie year, still very early in my keeper window. And kind of, I I think, I think I kind of had the opportunity to just hold and, and, and see how things go and let the offense carry itself.
0: Yeah. I mean, your team is terrifying. I mean, besides old man Goldschmidt, who's 34, (laughs) like you've got the youngest. By the way, he, by the way, he was a
1: top twenty player last year.
0: He was, and and when you traded for him, I didn't think that that was that great of a trade. Like, but obviously, you have a lot more experience with Goldschmidt. Like, you still believed he could kind of bounce back and be what he was, and he did turn out to be. An yeah, that's that's player.
1: that trade. There was some underlying trends that he was hitting as good as his peak years. So. I don't know what exactly he did, but he definitely rediscovered something last year.
0: But if you drop him and have to keep Wit this year, like your average age basically goes down to 25. And if you're the fourth best team in the league with a zero from glass now and you have the youngest team in the league, that's terrifying for, for the rest of us for sure. Um, yeah,
1: base, basically it's like if Whit, if Wit is a star, you you all better look out.
0: Right. Yeah, because... you. Know, <laughs> and, that,
1: and that was the other thing of keeping Glass now that was easy. It's like oh, I just, I just need him to be a top 100 player this year, and then Witt takes his place next year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's terrifying. Let, let's move on. Uh, can...
1: so... that's, all, that's all we needed to say, Jamie.
0: <laughs> terrifying. Uh, so number four originally, but now sliding to number five after you made some changes is Housky here. Uh, so we had Housky on. We talked about um, his team, how excited he was. He's keeping those four pitchers, all of whom are quite good. Uh, I've got him down for $197 worth of value here. Uh, this is kind of a tier. You and he are kind of a tier on your own, uh, but really these top five teams are all really interchangeable. Uh, Housky's value is really um, buoyed by the fact that Juan Soto is probably the number one or number two player uh, in our league um, at this point. Just outstanding. He doesn't run as much as Tatis, but you know Tatis, it's, we'll talk about him when we get to speed steam. Uh, may not play all that much this year um, or a half season. Yeah.
1: yeah. I was, we'll get to that when we talk about speeds, but uh, yeah. And and I always say of, I think in kind of, you know, I know, you know, these are the keeper set rankings, but I think in terms of just dynasty rankings for lack of a better word of, you know, combination of youth and high end keeper talent, you know, I always consider me and speeds the last year or so as, as kind of having that best group. And it is because I like, guess I've kind of said before, it's like, you know, Soto obviously being so good. Burns being the elite pitcher. Uh, I think Ozzy albies has yeah. a lot of growth. I think Brian Reynolds is really underrated. Bogarts is consistently that what top 50 player, I guess you'd yep. say like, you know, not elite, but Hey, if he's your third or fourth best hitter, you're, you're doing great. Uh, and then the other thing is, you know, his, his supporting pitchers are no slouches either, you know, Nola, Giolito, Montas are all, you know, very solid, you know, um, like I said, Noel, I feel like Nola and Giolito have kind of knocked in that door of kind of being top 10 pitchers. Oh yeah. But they're always kind of bouncing around there, but very good to be your, you know, your two and three starters.
0: Yeah. Nola had some awful luck last year in terms of home run rate and strand rate, but you know, he was a top 10 pitcher, top 12 pitcher there for a long while, uh, or at least a two or three year stretch. And Giolito was kind of there as well. Uh, even with nola
1: last year even with the i mean shit i didn't realize his era was 463 but it's like even with that his whip was very acceptable at 113 uh still 180 innings and 223 strikeouts so i I mean he at least was providing the volume there uh and and giolito kind of similar thing not as good as his uh his breakout 2020 year of the shortened year but still you are know, talking two hundred strikeouts, a three five ERA, you know, and a and a respectable whip.
0: Yeah, I think the Frankie Montas when I was putting together the values kind of jumped out at me, like as a surprise that he was that valuable according to the projection systems. Um, but yeah, that that all around. I think it's set. do you
1: think it's another one of those guys of just kind of? I mean, you look at the innings and burns through the least amount of innings out of Housky's four pitchers.
0: Yeah, I mean it's the innings that you can year. strike out, you know, eight or nine per nine. Uh, and you pitch a bunch of innings with quality starts, that's quite valuable in our league.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And especially when you're talking about comboing up the four in the aggregate like that. It's like, you know, most teams aren't going to have, you know, two guys that throw 180 innings. And if you got, if you, I mean, I think Burns would be a better bet to throw over that this year, too. It's like, you, you, I could see a scenario where all four of these guys throw 180 innings for housekeeper
0: yeah i think that montas is like definitely on a tier below the other three uh if i was like looking at house keeper set and trying to figure out how to maximize the value swapping out montas for like another elite hitter um would probably be the, the way did, to he have, it did he have
1: anybody else to keep that you might have changed or you just talked about acquiring somebody else
0: just acquiring or you know through you know free agency draft picks or, or yeah, the rookie yeah. system hitting
1: on something big.
0: I'm, I'm basically saying, you know, this is the difference between house you know, $197 team and the teams that are 10 gotcha. $15 above him. Cause keeping four yeah. pitchers. Um, I know I did it for a long while with the Verlander Kershaw sale and Snell combination, but like, I would consider Snell my fourth best pitcher. And he, he had an AL Cy Young in there. Uh, so Montas yeah. is like a, probably a step behind where I'd want to keep a fourth pitcher but really that's just a nit- nitpicking at this point. Cause house, has got a stellar keeper set. Uh, yeah, relatively exactly. Young if that's, too.
1: if that's, if that's your worst keeper, you know, he's that uh, you got good problems and, and you talking about the youth of his keeper set too. It's not like Soto Albies, you know, Burns, even really Bogarts is going anywhere yet. So, right. you know, you got plenty of time to, for him to find that guy to replace Montas.
0: Reynolds is younger than I thought too at 27 I thought he Reynolds was kind of is really good yeah like the OBP for him is I mean really imagine, imagine if
1: he I mean it's the same thing with me with Cattell Marte it's like all offseason you're just praying for like him to get traded to the Yankees or something you know right and I know I and I, I follow Yankees Twitter a lot just because they're very entertaining and like they're they just knocking everyone. on the door they want yeah. Reynolds they want Cattell Marte yeah it's like so do I I'm, I'm with you Stanzo
0: and, you know, Juan Soto, as terrifying as as it is, like probably has a 45 home run season in him at some point here. Oh uh,
1: yeah. That's, that's the scary thing is like, you don't, you know, we we talked about how he quote unquote struggled for whatever, six weeks last year where, you know, he was just above average and not, you know, a superstar, but it's like, yeah, you wonder what kind of freaky peak seasons he has ahead of him.
0: Yeah. I think it's uh you know, 45 home runs is definitely on the table this year, next year. Uh, I'll say that that Nationals lineup is getting pretty bad. Uh, so he might just walk a lot more and not uh, get but the that stats.
1: But them adding Cruz
0: helps. It does. Uh,
1: I also, you know, Josh Bell was decent Bell's enough, yep. uh, you know, second half of last year. So I, I, think, I think that lineup won't be so bad. I, and I think them signing Cruz, hopefully, as long as Cruz, you know, assuming Cruz doesn't die, as I know you've been <laughs> calling for. Uh, you know, I, I think that'll help him out a lot, but yeah, I, I think that's the only thing holding back Soto is not maybe being in the lead offense and maybe being pitched around, but you got to think in the next five years, there's going to be one of those 45 home run, 150 RBI seasons that he bats, you know, three, three, you know, well over 300, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, on the other side, on the pitching side, Corbin Burns, he's obviously stellar, Um, I'm not sure whether he's out of like the young pitcher injury window where his arm could fall off or, you know, he has got to get the Tommy John.
1: I think he's just getting out of that. And like, that was the biggest question last year of whether, you know, he did it in a short season of how he would hold up. Uh, now he didn't quite make 30 starts last year. He made 28, 167 innings. Like I think this is the big year where he proves that, I guess you'd say. Yeah.
0: He's been pitching for four years and he's got 300 innings. Half of them came last year. So like he's, he's got a peak season in him where he pitches 190 innings and strikes out. God, what did he have? He had 234 last uh, season at 167 innings. If he pitches 190 innings, suddenly you get 270, 280 strikeouts. And those are just, Dominating season. Yeah, and I pitcher. and I could
1: you could you could see a world where he he knocks on the door of a three hundred strikeout season. Yeah, if, and if everything were to all go right.
0: And that's those are the years where that that pitcher is ranked not just you know fifteenth or sixteenth overall like he was last year, but like number two or number yeah, one, yeah exactly. like number three exactly.
1: Overall. Yeah, that's the that's dominant. And the other thing, I mean, it's the, the sub one whip. The ratios are incredible. Uh. Yeah. I think the only real question on him is, I mean, he has the full arsenal now it's just, and he's learned how to get guys out. It's just a matter of now do we see it for, you know, through the whole season through 32 starts.
0: And uh, you know, he's got some decent um, rookies uh, with Marte and, and Pearson who could be a contributor as soon as this year. So uh, along with that, he doesn't have great draft capital, but I think he's in line for a, a great season.
1: Yeah, yeah, has the, like you said, has the strong keeper sets to carry him through. Uh, I mean, this is a team that I think, you know, certainly should make the playoffs even without the draft capital, as long as, you know, he makes adequate in season moves.
0: And that, yep, yep. Uh, so jumping up to number three here is Speed. Uh, last year's champion, uh, $209 worth of value. He does have one of the older keeper sets. I think it's the third or fourth oldest at 30 years on average. Uh is and that we'll see. Just
1: say, because uh, I guess Freeman and Morton.
0: Yeah, let me take a look at the um the specific players that it's are funny to like, man, it's
1: did speed does speed seem to get old that quick.
0: I mean, and 30 is not even that <laughs> that old, right? Um so he's got a 38-year-old Charlie Morton and yeah, F- okay. Freeman's so 32. It. So yeah, you oh, drop wow. drop Morton for a 25-year-old, and you know, that drops it. it's been funny
1: because i feel like morton's been saying this is his last year for like four years now
0: but uh he's he's got a bunch of like 29 31 32 year olds and freeman machado teoscar woodruff bauer uh so he's kind of got this two or three year window before those guys you know turn 33 and you have to start making decisions about them uh but obviously his mainstay is is tatis who's probably the number one player when healthy on a per game basis. And was, and that
1: was the question I was going to ask. So how much would that you think affect, obviously it's all theoretical, like what, what dollar value player is he right now? He's got to be what forties, 50.
0: So currently is $62. I've got him okay. miss the top, the top player.
1: So if he misses call it a third of the season, at least.
0: Yeah. So is that yeah. what
1: we're projecting of?
0: Yeah. So you got to drop him down 20, $25. So now he drops into like the 10th, Eleventh best player, or so, like around the Beau Bichette, Rafael Devers.
1: Yeah, obviously, still, it's incredible that even missing that much time, he's still that much more valuable than those guys who I think are awesome players.
0: I mean, you look on like a hundred sixty-two game basis, he's basically hitting forty-five home runs and stealing thirty to thirty-five <laughs> yeah. bases. It's it's insane. Yeah, and, that,
1: and and that's the scary thing. I you know, he only hit, he only had four hundred seventy-eight at bats last year. He hit forty-two home runs.
0: Right. The thing is, it's like just, you say, you say that on a per-game basis, but. You almost have to say that because the guy's always hurt between, yeah, uh, between the shoulder injury, which and I, I think and is I festering. Think,
1: yeah. And that's the funny thing about this is like when I first heard of it's a teeth injury, you thought it would be, okay, here comes the shoulder barking again. But it was totally something else with his wrist, you know?
0: Right. Because he was in a motorcycle accident and apparently he was in multiple motorcycle accidents. He just got injured <laughs> in the one. So what are you doing? This is a this is a 23 year old that's signed to a 300 million dollar contract that's got the next 13 year of his years of his life. You know, so he's secured the bag and now he's yeah uh, he's living life with like a 23 year old with 300 million dollars. He's going to do.
1: God bless him. Uh,
0: but but yeah, I I, where you, I can't
1: you, doubt him though coming back.
0: Yeah, I like you just don't you don't ever trade this guy. You don't ever move him or even think about it. You just you're just along for the ride. And it's, it's just a, a feature of your team is that Tatis is either going to give you 200 or 400 or 600 at-bats and your team's success is kind of going to be based on primarily, you know, the other seven guys, but a big influence is going to be how many at-bats he gets.
1: Is how far he goes. Yeah. And I, I think the interesting thing with Speed's team is, you know, you look at it, he split four and four of the hitters and the pitchers, obviously. You, know, you look at the other hitters, you know, obviously Freeman is a spectacular player. Probably, you know, we've probably saw Pete Freeman already still going to be very, very good, but you know, kind of going to be on the back half of his career, so to speak. Uh, you know, you look at though, he's going to be carried just by Freeman Machado and Teoscar who are all good players, but you're still only looking at three hitters to carry you.
0: Right. And
1: it's not like he has a bunch of extra draft capital. And then on the flip side, I'm shocked by this. We still haven't had a resolution on Trevor Bauer pitching you got Shohei Otani pitching what once a week? Right. You know, and every then six days. Yep. Obviously, Charlie Morton's threatening to retire every single year, but keeps, you know, keeps doing Charlie Morton stuff. Uh it's just it's I, I get why all of these guys add up to a big a big dollar amount, but all of a sudden there's a lot of question marks in here of you know, you kind of need things to go right on each, you know, each little variable for this to all get the value aggregated together.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. You're right about kind of his sixth, seventh, and eighth best keepers are the Otani, Morton, and Bauer. Bauer's again projected for zero dollars right now. Uh oh wow. That, so
1: your projections are with zero for Bauer. I did not uh, know that.
0: I, I think that uh Bauer's situation is almost the best of anyone's, because I feel like that situation has to resolve itself at some. Point. They're not going to kick him out of the league forever, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't think so.
0: Thinking about I just the I just think the hardest thing. The
1: hardest thing is I don't think he's going to pitch in L.A. I think they have to move him somewhere, right? And then it comes down to he still has two years left at his really high annual value contract that he signed. I think it was what three years, like a hundred million or something like that.
0: Yeah, so maybe like if you do move him, if you're L.A., you don't have to. Get that much in return because you're just trying to unload the problem and the the salary, and then they can yeah. go spend it on and somebody else. And, and,
1: and it wouldn't be unreasonable for a team to take on the two years, you know, the lot. two years and sixty million or whatever called or seventy million. But yeah, it's I, I think obviously in this whole day and age, it's like somebody's got to be willing to take on that. I guess the PR side of things of it yeah. all. I, and LA
0: know. is probably the worst city for that, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's why I say there's no way he's pitching in LA.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned so the, like, four, the four big bats really carrying that value. Speed also has some room to, again, pump up this value in the future if Bauer comes back and, and Morton retires and he can replace him with a, a good player, even a good hitter. I I do worry about Otani. I don't know whether he's going to stay healthy uh, throughout his career. Just,
1: it's just so hard to do what he did last year. It is. To repeat that last year, both on on both sides of it, you yep. know, obviously even him as a pitcher last year as as great as he was there was it was sporadic let's call it you know there was there was great games where he struck out 10 guys and then there was games when he couldn't get out of the first inning obviously he was awesome hitting but it's it's got to just be so hard to maintain that year you know into the second year and the third year and so on
0: yeah you know I as an owner of Otani I worry about his pitching that's the liability like he's not going to get hurt at DH he might get hurt running the base paths for sure but like you almost have double risk because you're not only pitching but you're also running the base paths regularly so that's how guys get hurt you know at least he's not fielding but either speed or i could be really hurt by the other otani you know causing the injury and then he gets shut down completely
1: yeah it's yeah, it's had funny it's a funny scenario it's put both you and worrying about the other side
0: yeah like my dream scenario is that he gets like a blister and like he just stops pitching for large stretches of time like yeah I, yeah I'd uh, love to see him be a full-time the, D.H. and not pitch the, anymore. The, I
1: mean, the other thing to ask, too, is, you know, in I think he was in the major leagues, what, two or three years prior to this. In, in all of those years, they had very strict rules on him pitching X amount of days or hitting X amount of days, having X amount of days off before and after he pitches and all that. They let that go last year, I and he obviously did it last year. I wonder how much, you know, I wonder if were those rules in place because they actually mattered, or did they just realize that they didn't matter?
0: Well, I think the manager changed, right? So, like Joe Madden last year, um, compared to whoever the fuck it was earlier, I can picture his face, but not his, uh, his name. not
1: Sosha, is it?
0: No, it's uh, the guy He's had been Madden there for day. a long while. Uh, That's Sosha. Yeah, maybe it was Mike Sosha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sosha sucked. He did suck. God. Um, but yeah, I think Madden. Uh, <laughs> Madden really is changing things. Let's let Shohei be Shohei. And obviously the guy plays with a lot of joy and, you know, just killed it when he was on the field, which he was quite a bit.
1: Yeah. It was fun to watch too.
0: I, since uh, we did touch on Tatis as being the highest uh, rated player at $60. I'll mention there's only one $60 player. There are two $50 players in Soto and, and Vlad. Uh, then there are six $40 players and everybody else, is below that so if you have wow. a tatis or a soto like having soto is as good as house next two keepers combined like corbin and burns. Housky,
1: and he's got a good keeper set
0: yeah albies and corbin burns are his next two highest keepers and you know juan soto is worth as much as both those guys put together so it's, yeah uh, and, to,
1: and to put it into context it's like albies and burns are the guys that we're still all chasing to find, you know?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. But that, that's how much a Tatis or a Soto puts you ahead. Uh, yeah. In, in the dollar dollar battle that is. So yeah, speed's got a good team. And Uh, and
1: I think that goes, ties back to our discussion of not to say that Rodriguez or wit will be that good, but it's like just the chance that they could be that good. And that idea in your head makes it so impossible to trade them.
0: Absolutely. Or even if wit settles into like, a. Trevor story or Manny Machado. Oh, yeah, yeah. If
1: he, if he becomes like the or story or Machado at any of that level, you're, you're thrilled with it anyway. And it's, right. and it's a home run,
0: but it's yeah. the idea
1: of like, Oh, maybe he can, maybe he can be like a, a, a lot, you know, not to expect to tease, but like a lighter version of Tatis in the power and the speed department.
0: Yep. Yeah. That, so that's why you hold on to those guys and you star chase, uh, when you have the opportunity to, and, and you demand well, such, such high value yeah. and back
1: yeah exactly uh so one other thing i'll bring up just because it's unique to speed's team of he and it'll pertain to another manager on this list as well is having a very high rookie round pick if speed has both of his slots open right uh if he'll be able to add value of you know will he go the immediate contributor there to help you know supplement his team while Tatis is hurt and, and so on
0: yeah, I mean, those high rookie rounds, like obviously every year there are rookies available and not rookies, but guys that we count as rookies that are available that, you know, might like go Like the guy and,
1: coming from Japan.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, he would probably be, uh, I don't know, like a no later than a fourth-ish round pick uh, in our league if, if he uh, was available in the draft, I would think. So yeah. like you, you basically use your your rookie pick and supplement your team with a fourth round pick, so, which is yeah is yeah, pretty darn sure. good. Um, yeah. And there, there's a bunch of players like that. That that might be the guy who's the most sure of a sure thing. I think there's a bunch of pitchers out there. Uh, yeah. There's have, obviously
1: plenty of guys, starters who have thrown under hundred innings.
0: Yep. Yep. So uh, yeah, you kind of look at it that way. Uh, you can add a player like that and get an extra fourth, fifth, seventh round pick. Uh, if you are in that contributor or that, competitive window where it makes sense to do that and speed could take that guy roster him, and then immediately claim another rookie uh no harm no foul oh, yeah. he might not get yeah. his top choice but by the time you claim a second or third one like you're gonna get a pretty decent guy especially
1: after everybody is all filled up on theirs
0: yeah that you know that's you the know, thing again not to beat a horse. i found horse.
1: sometimes the best time to claim guys is right after the rookie round early in the year
0: yet not to beat a dead horse, but with only two rookie slots, like there's only 28 possible slots filled. So like there's guys ranked in the, the 25s and 30s. And even some guys that are ranked in the, like the teens that aren't rostered right now, because people still make kind of dumb rookie roster choices. <laughs> uh, so you can still get a, a really good guy. And Suzuki, you're, you're not going
1: to, you're not going to write a post sponsoring the third rookie rule.
0: I mean, at this point it is what it is. Like, I feel like people are entrenched. They're not looking for arguments. They're just, for or against it like the fact that josh votes against it every year like josh can't lay out the arguments for or against for having a third rookie slot like he's just against it and he's decided so you know who knows that that's never we've gonna moved, happen we've moved on yeah i mean i it's a uh, that's never gonna happen suzuki was taken 174th overall in the in the redraft uh league that i just did so that's okay, like so yeah that him like you said that's like fourth round basically uh, yeah. after our keepers so yeah, uh, Speed definitely has that opportunity to add to his team. Um, and then, you know, up next is the the number two team. Um, I'm not sure. I think this also gives away number one, but we've got number two with Duty's excellent keeper set. Yeah. We talked to him for, I, t- I
1: told him, I told him he was going to be happy with this. He's going to wait for, wait for us to talk about him.
0: He texted me. When's the pod coming out? When are you guys recording? So he, he wants as to hear as, us
1: as soon as he saw that he was asking me about it too. As soon as he saw part one and his name wasn't mentioned.
0: Right. He was getting excited. Uh, but yeah, he's, he really has an excellent keeper set. I'll say that he doesn't have any real holes like his, his lowest rank keeper is Jazz. Uh, because Jazz's OPS and OBP is likely, an average is likely to be, likely to and, be really and low. And he's
1: one of those guys where we talk about the, uh, you know, the the ends of the bell curve of his right. possible outcomes. Like, I, it, you know, it may so happen he ends up in between, but, like, during part of the year, he's going to be – there's probably going to be weeks that he's a top even 10 player, and there's probably going to be weeks that he's completely useless, you know? Mm-hmm. It's the – He's, he's similar in the mold, I think, of Alberto, I, I never pronounce Mondesi, it right, Alberto, yep. Alberto Mondesi of, yeah, it's like, you know, he's going to have those weeks where he hits a few home runs and steals 10 bases and, and lights it up, but uh, and then other weeks where, you know, he just doesn't hit at all.
0: Yeah, the, the projection system has him for hitting 240 with a 731 OPS. Um, I think most of them are, agree that's probably close to what he'll do, but he's just going to contribute home runs and stolen bases, just like Mondesi um and like you just kind of hold your nose and and hope for that like that end of the bell curve uh where he does hit 260 or 270 for the season and then he hits 26 home runs the, uh, with we 35 want, we, want Chris, we want
1: the Kristen Bell curve Kristen
0: right? Bell I I just as I get older I just have more and more appreciation for Kristen Bell between the and good that, place that... um which is an excellent show and then we were just watching this other Netflix show she's just uh She's premium. I'll, I'll say it that she's, way.
1: She's she's the positive end of the bell curve.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, Stefania Bell, not as much. Um, we
1: appreciate her, but just not so, not as much.
0: Yeah, she's got other skills. She contributes to the world and society, um, you know, just not in the way that we appreciate as men sometimes, uh, which is unfortunate, it says a lot about us. But that's uh, those are the rules. I'm sorry.
1: That's the way life works. This will be the episode uh, we thing have to delete
0: up. before we get our spot. A Spotify deal.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is the one that cancels us. uh So, one other thing I'll bring up that. So, I thought Judge was going to be fine to play in New York. We still don't know whether uh-huh. he's vaccinated or not. All of a sudden, the news today. uh What's it? The mayor Adams. I forget what his first name is, but uh he sounded like uh, not so fast with Mets and Yankees players if they're unvaccinated.
0: Yeah, shortly after we recorded the last episode, you assured me that uh, you know they were going to be okay because it's outside. Like that article started coming out. No, no, there's training inside the clubhouse. Blah blah blah. Like you can't show up to work. Um, oh, jeez. So that is huge, right? Because um, Judge is the 14th ranked player on my sheet at $35, and if you lose half your games, the other thing is Judge is a free agent next year. Like, just making a business decision. I have, Obviously, people have a lot of reasons not to get vaccinated, you know, personal decision, yeah. etc. But, like, is he costing himself some money here by not going out with a 40 home run season, which he's very capable of doing? Like I, mean,
1: I possibly, yeah, because it could it say a number of things. It can, obviously, one, you worry about games that he missed, although I don't know if it pl- applies to away players, right? It does not. Uh, but you never know if it will in the future or not or whatever anyway. Uh, but also, too, it just, you know... I don't know if this is fair or not, or I don't necessarily agree with this, but it, it brings up the question too, of how much, how committed they are to the team and baseball and their profession and all that. Uh, But at the end of the day, just for fantasy purposes, it's just, it's obviously, it would be an unfortunate scenario to be put into. And I, I'm hoping that that it's not the case and we don't have a Kyrie Irving situation on our hands.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the one outlier that gets talked about, you know, the combination of the fact that he's stuck with it to not get vaccinated. And the talent level is probably top 15 in the league, just like judge is showing on here. Um, you know, throughout the offseason, a bunch of articles have come out with, you know, players that are bench players or, you know, not stars in any right saying, Oh, I got vaccinated. You know, I, I don't want to hurt the team. I want to be there for the guy. So, you know, maybe Aaron judge makes that decision, or like I said, a business decision that, in my year before free agency, I need to jack up 40 home runs, remind people who I am. Uh, or maybe he says, I only need to wait one more year before I get out of New York, and then I probably won't have to worry about it. Uh, so maybe I just hunker down and play half the games. Who knows how it goes? But that that's a huge variable now. That That trade, at least for next year or this current year, Looks a lot different if Joe Machado's a full pitcher,
1: and it's funny how much it flips back and forth. And I think it's funny that it's Judge and somebody who's been hurt and kind of misses time anyway. That like you always kind of knew that in trading him away. I think that was Bill's rationale of you know trading away Judge for kind of more of the the pitcher who you you know you although pitchers are only more volatile, you almost were hoping would be more steady, and it's it's funny how it flipped totally in this of saying judge was way more valuable than Musgrove. But then all of a sudden we're back to questioning how many at-bats is judge going to have this year?
0: Right. Not only for the health reasons, but yeah, for the, this vaccination reason, so he's got, he's got a lot of questions swirling around him. And if he only plays half his games, put up half the stats, uh, duty drops from the second, overall keeper set down to the, like the fifth overall keeper set so it's just a, a big tight cluster at the the top five teams here and any little thing whether it's Tatis uh, or Judge can drop you you know several spots uh, in these ratings but I'll say overall like this is an excellent keeper set um, and it's mostly so it
1: weights a lot in that he obviously is keeping seven hitters yep all all really good and in, in you know these are all easy arguments to make for keepers. I think Chisholm is the most, you know, questionable guy, but you get why because of the, you know, the, the potential impact, especially in short spurts of the season that he'll have. And especially when you're comping up where you figure all these other hitters are going to carry your team throughout the year and that, you know, everybody else is really solid. Bryant, obviously the huge boost of him going to Colorado, you would expect. Uh, I don't know why the hell the Rockies signed him, but I right. one thing I would bet on is Chris Bryant hitting a lot of meaningless home runs in Colorado. Uh, and then the other thing that helps out a lot too, duty having both the draft capital to fill out the starting rotation. I, I, think, I think he'll be more committed to that this year than he was last year. And that I know he addressed it early, but then he didn't build it out, but we'll see. Uh, and he also you know, we'll have a decently high, he has an open rookie slot. Now they trade away. Rushman right. could always drop weathers too. So he could maybe go after a couple more of those pitchers like I'm right. talking about, or, um, or, you know, anyway, I'm just basically saying, I think duty will be all in.
0: I, I think so too. Um,
1: I think he has a lot to prove. And I think, yeah, I think he, this is this. And, and he's at the point with his players of, you know, they're, they're really good, but we're all talking at our peaks right now. You know, Betts and Ramirez, this has been a long running thing. This is, you know, you're, you're getting to the, you know, they're getting a little up in age. You got Robert who's come up, you got judge O'Neill and Bryant and all that. It's like his, his team should be ready for this year. I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, and this is a team that I don't think has that much uh, ability to improve their keeper set. Cause he doesn't have like a weak $0 player. Like Chisholm's probably is his weakest, but you know you you know by the end of the year whether you're going to keep chisholm if he bats 240 you're probably yeah. not going to keep him if he bats 265 you know i mean then you're probably the number one keeper set um if you and, get that. and i think
1: i and i think if everything were to go right for duty he would have another keeper pitcher right or two you know
0: right yeah run. if he, he takes he's got a first round pick he's got three seconds so if you hit on one of those guys um uh, you know that definitely opens up options keeper wise and then, you know, uh, he kind of, he got added Tyler O'Neill and Aaron Judge last year. And that's, that's like $60 between those two players. That That's excellent. Uh, he added Chris Bryant also, who now in cores. his projection should uh, increase. So dude, he made some great moves last year and on top of the draft picks that he acquired. So this is the season that he's got to make that push. And we can see if uh, he's able to flip that switch and, and do something he hasn't done in a long while, hasn't made the playoffs and, hasn't been in serious, you know, contention for a, um, you know, a top two or three spot or trying for that buy, but he's definitely well-positioned at least prior to the draft to do that this year.
1: Yeah. And this feels, although he had draft capital last year, and he's always had, we've always talked about his high end set of Ramirez and bets it's this year feels even more of, he doesn't have the empty keepers. Like he's had Marco Gonzalez.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that, that, and, you know, Luis Ferber being another year older, I think I, it's just it kind of all feels like I keep saying it, it kind of feels like this is this is it and it's finally come to get it's finally coming together.
0: Yeah, I mean he kept Gonzalez, Gavin Lux, and uh, Mancada last year, who are basically zeros. So he swapped yeah. out for Judge and uh, and O'Neill and the like, and Brian, etc. So yeah, it's uh, it's great. Great set. We'll see what happens with judge. That's going to be a big, uh, one of the,
1: one of the more duty, uh, it's fitting that duty has judge cause Duty's probably one of the more intriguing storylines of our, uh, league year right now.
0: Yep. Yeah, between him and speed with Tatis, like everyone's got some questions and, uh, we'll see how, how things fall for them. Yeah. All right. Ready to move on.
1: Ready. Are you ready to, uh, you ready to move on to this final one?
0: Yeah. So, um, uh... <laughs> This has happened a few times over the last several years, but I've got. Are you number- allowed
1: to introduce yourself?
0: I've, yeah. Do you want to go ahead and do it? Do you're, no, uh, I don't have anything planned. Okay. You can go ahead. So, yeah, uh, I've got the top keeper set by a few dollars over duty. Um, I've got one of the oldest keeper sets behind Pat, average age of 31, which is the second oldest. Uh, and I've got very little draft capital, giving up my top three draft picks. Unlike you, I didn't get a bunch of ninth and 10th round picks. I got, Sixteenth and 17th round picks, but uh, keeper wise, I'm doing pretty good. Um, and really, it's uh, it's the strength of three players that are all projected for forty dollars: Harper, Trout, and Otani. Again, there's some risk there with Otani uh, health wise that I, I feel. Um, and then I also benefit from the fact that I put this system together. So if there's ever a decision that needs to be made between two players, like I'm going to lean towards. Most you're likely. using this. Yeah. You're
1: using this system to make your decisions, so, so yeah. that's
0: automatically going to maximize my, my value through this lens, through you know through this system. Uh, so yeah. that led me to things like keeping JT Realmuto uh, or dropping the jazz the jazz chisholms who I did at the end of the year, uh, or the Mondasees like I've, oh, I've carried. Uh, you know, that's the. Man, reason. I was
1: shocked. I was shocked when you. So there was two things. There's there's something else I want to talk about your team. There was two things that shocked me a little bit in that your decisions at the end to drop Mondesi and to drop Kershaw, obviously Kershaw's been on your team forever. Uh, we, you know, we know you're a big fan of Ellen.
0: Yep. Ellen, <laughs> I, Ellen and Clayton are just quality people. And, um, <laughs> they're, they're always going to Kenya, building schools and, and stuff. So like, they're just high school sweethearts. People. Just,
1: yep. yeah. You know, just, gr- uh, great, great people. Uh, and I feel like, you know, Mondesi's kind of been your guy for the last few years. Like the, the guy that I've, I don't. Know, I've I haven't liked, I feel like this whole league hasn't, a lot of this league hasn't liked, but he's always seemed to have that. He's always seemed to be at his best in September when it's mattered. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, I don't know. Walk us through those decisions of letting go of those guys who you swapped them out for why and so
0: on. Yeah. I mean, so again, was thinking of keeping Kershaw was thinking of keeping Mondesi, um, The thing about Mondesi, I I basically, he's, he won me my last two championships for having very strong Septembers. And when Mondesi is on, like he can hit three home runs and steal eight bases in a week. And if you got that going on in the, uh, the championship week or a playoff week, like he just wins you the week, three home runs from any player. And then the stolen bases is, is enough to push you over. I lost to three Brandon belt home runs last, last year to Ben. And like that, that was the death now for me. Uh, but the thing is, like, he's just never healthy. Um, and Kansas City feels like he, they're losing some confidence in him. Obviously, wit's coming up. And I, I looked last year, like, at my team. I was competing for the bye. Uh, aside from the the 10th start, like, I would have had the buy. Like, I can probably benefit from some steady value compared to Mondesi. And, and that's the decision that I made. Like, I was going to drop Real Muto. Uh, catcher this year is just a wasteland my god like we we might have mentioned before there's three guys that i feel comfortable really rostering on top of that there's probably a, a fourth or a fifth guy that that ranked relatively highly on my board
1: you know um, i haven't looked at it that le- that close because i just i'm gonna probably go with the strategy of draft somebody right at the end or pick somebody up in free agency but i actually remember looking at that briefly yesterday and being like and i was just looking at names but i'm like ah, there's a decent amount of guys i wouldn't mind having this year
0: yeah, there. I mean, there's three three guys being kept, right? And there's well, the-
1: Riamuto actually being, you know, you know what you're going to get from him, you know, right. is is I think the value
0: there. So I mean, one of the top available players uh, is the fourth guy, uh, Grandal, who has great OBP, which really helps in our in our league and hits for power. Uh, and then you know, there's a quote-unquote sleeper or two that might get kind of reached for uh, younger guys.
1: I'm interested to hear, I'm interested to see those.
0: Right. So, you know, there, there's probably four guys with Grandal that I think are relatively for certain. Uh, and then there's maybe three other guys that I would, um, be semi-comfortable drafting at a reasonable rate, but like, that's only seven guys. So half the teams in our league are going to be going with a lottery ticket, a guy close to $0 worth of value, uh, or they have to get like lucky with a mitch garver season where you know um like he had a few years ago but then you drafted him the year after and he was not very good Nothing. so like yeah it like it's it's hit or miss on the guy, those guys so the few sleeper type guys are probably going to be taken relatively early uh i know like last year um who was the guy on Texas that just got traded to twice and ended up? On the Falefa.
1: yeah, a like, Falefa or whatever.
0: He was one of those guys that was going to get a ton of at bats because he was going to have catcher eligibility but play all over the diamond. He was going to steal Pat some, loved like, him. yeah. So like he was going to be, he should have been a pretty high pick, and I forget who ended up getting him. I think it was Bill. Bill
1: um, got him, and then Pat traded for him. But yeah,
0: yeah. So like Bill got got him in the ninth round. But, like, you have to take these guys, these sleepers, in, like, the seventh, eighth, and ninth round. And even then, there's only two or three of them. Otherwise, like you said, you go with a last-round pick. Um, Yeah. And Real Muto is just a steady Eddie-type person. Uh, I think he had a relatively down year last year I was concerned about. Uh, I didn't feel like I got full value for him compared to what I gave up. But, like, looking at the values this year and just the wasteland that is catcher, uh, I felt like I needed to keep him. And Mondesi was – you know, a hit or miss guy, and I'll just take the steady value this year. Kind of changing my uh, my strategy. And, and I think it's bit.
1: I think it's a little different too with the Mondesi move of where you're talking about having steady value throughout the year. I think you you want a guy like Mondesi when you have Kershaw, Verlander, Trout, and Harper, knowing they're all going to carry the water through the year, and then right. you know, and you're you're looking for the lightning rods in the playoffs, so to speak, and at other points during the season, you know, you're going to get it, but it's like. I think it's different when you don't you know obviously sales not the same that he was and nope. Kershaw's not around and even trout is not the same player that he was in terms of reliability and what you're getting throughout the year that it changes it changes your needs a little bit.
0: yeah so and then on the Kershaw side, obviously love Kershaw I think on a per inning basis he's a top 10 pitcher still at 34. The thing is how many innings are you gonna get from him? So for years, ever since he basically turned 30, he's had back issues. Um, And every year he misses, he goes on six, eight-week DL stints or IL stints. Uh, So like he's projected for 140 innings. And I'm not sure you're ever going to see him pitch more than 160 innings again.
1: Especially pitching on the Dodgers where he knows he doesn't need to, you know. Yeah, yeah nor nor do they want him to
0: they do the phantom il stints for guys anyway so you know they're happy to rest him because not only is he pitching 140 160 regular season innings but they want him to be able to pitch 30 or 35 playoff innings too so yeah they're they're going to be very cautious with him and then last year he had this uh elbow issue so like that just adds you know this back issue they always that he always had plus an elbow issue like if he has to have tommy john or if that turns into Something explosive this this uh this year. You know he could be out for the year. That happened to Verlander. Verlander made one start in 2020, and then it just popped, and he had to get Tommy John, and he was out for basically missed two seasons. That could happen to Kershaw at any point. So I, I yeah. love the guy, but I, I'm not going to be the one holding the bag at the end of the day. Went...
1: <laughs> I I think that's funny the way this ends. of you not you uh, you trying to get out basically a year early.
0: Yeah, I mean Kershaw should be a first round pick. Like if duty took him at the end of the first round, like, and then he pitches 165 innings for duty, like God bless that. Right. That's probably yeah. going to help duty compete. Uh, but this might be, might be the year that the the elbow pops or maybe Kershaw turns into like a, always a first round pick, but you never know, know what you're going to get with him. You're never going to keep him. Um, who knows? I, I don't see him. I don't think he's going to have that late uh, career Scherzer 200 innings type or verlander yeah uh, he's just
1: not built like that i feel like
0: just not built but when he does pitches he's excellent even though he's only averaging like 90 miles per i think hour. i
1: think almost like a little bit better than like what rich hill was for that two or three years
0: yeah so you I mean, know
1: where it's like you know you're not getting the 30 starts you know you're gonna have these il stints uh but on a per inning basis you're getting strikeouts and ratios and all that
0: yeah so like i think Kershaw's a more talented pitcher than Lance Lynn, but Lance Lynn's likely to give you 180 innings. Kershaw just isn't. Um, so it's you're taking a big risk taking him. Uh, could certainly pay off, even if he pitches 120 innings. They're going to be good innings. Uh, he doesn't have performance issues, um, which a lot of guys do as they they get older. Yeah. Um,
1: what about uh, are you are you concerned buying the the Gossman breakout and then him moving to Toronto, so which obviously puts him in a way tougher park and a way harder division?
0: So let me talk about. And I did want to bring that up. Is I think that many guys on my team last year might have had career years. Like Bryce Harper won MVP. Obviously, he's still young. Yep. Uh, but like that could have been Simeon. D- Simeon. Uh, yeah. O- o- Otani, Otani due to health yeah. issues. Gossman. Um, Hendricks even had a, a stellar year. Like these guys all could have hit their 95th percentile outcomes, uh, which guys do hit sometimes it's just like, how far do I think they're going to fall? Like Simeon doesn't have great projections this year. He's a $20 player. Whereas last year he was like a top 15 player throughout the the year. So like, even at $20, like, um, if he only steals 11 bases this year, that's two fifty-nine. Like he's still a really valuable keeper. He's still only 31. He feels like he's 35. Uh, but like, everyone on my team could take a step back from last year and still be pretty decent. It's just whether they take two or three steps back uh, that would drop my value.
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh, I, I think the, you know, the, to kind of go on that, it's like even Harper, who's you know, your best offensive player. Now, I feel like we've seen him before in that he has, he's had these MVP seasons before and then he's had just once again, not bad years, but then he goes, I feel like he's gone stretches of, you know, several years of just being very good offensively.
0: Yeah. And so last year, and I want to bring up this this other point. Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, and Kevin Gossman. Do you know what they have in common? What? Those three players are the only three guys that I kept last year that I'm keeping this year. I replaced five players. I did not
1: realize yeah, I did not realize that. It's
0: it's kind of crazy considering that again, I I'm the top ranked uh or top rated it doesn't seem team. like it
1: because you're keeping sale now who's been on your team for so long like right. it, when you look at the team it doesn't look like that but yeah and and i, and mean, I had real real yep. was kind of an extra keeper so right. it, yeah it kind of it, it changes that a little bit but yeah it is it is interesting when you put it that way because my my next question i was gonna ask earlier i thought about it, was the like you know your team's been kind of this harper trout kershaw team for the, and sale for the longest time it's funny that all four of these guys could have been in the mix. If you would have kept Kershaw still obviously is the, is the window closing and where does the, where does the, this era stand?
0: Well, that that's two different questions. For, uh, okay. Let me address the second one. Cause that's, yeah, you that's answer it however
1: you think it makes sense.
0: I think, I think the four year stretch that I had is the best error ever in the league. Obviously back-to-back uh, championships and the second championship I won, uh, I had the, Best winning percentage ever, the most gap between first and second place ever, the most number of games won ever. I was top in roto, top in uh, the standings. Like it was just, I think the best season ever, and it was the second of a back to back. And the keeper set was just stellar. Those four pitchers, like I will remember that fondly for a very long time. The individuals on my my team that the won me the those championships, like Mondesi and the Verlanders, et cetera. Um, so I think. I definitely remember that fondly. Is the window closing? Um, Obviously, I do have the second oldest keeper set. Now, Uh, I'll say that my best players, like the the Trout's, um, the Harpers, are in that like late twenty, early thirty phase. Like Harper's twenty nine, Trout's thirty, Otani's twenty seven, Riomudo's thirty one, Simeon's thirty one. It's like I've got a bunch of guys. That are like in that early thirties. So I think I still have
1: getting to the other side of their prime, but still in their prime.
0: So that's one of the reasons that I feel pretty strongly about Julio Rodriguez is like, I need that infusion of 20 year old um, that I hold on to, even if it hurts for two or three years to see if he can make that jump. Like you did Devers uh, or Bichette to see if I can get that $30 player uh, because I need that youth. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. You need that to jumpstart the, what would be yeah, the next thing?
0: It would not surprise me if I move on from like Gossman or Sale uh, next year. And, you know, every year you've got two or three guys that emerge that you either trade for or a sleeper you hit on that are in their 20s. So, you know, I could definitely yeah, see yeah, some more actually, churn. There's
1: always a two-player attrition, I think, or something like that.
0: So I'll say it this way. I think that um, my window's definitely not closed. Like with the, the Trout Harper, I still think I have three or four years. And those two guys... Uh, especially the fact that they have such great approaches like obp is that i think they're always going to age well that type of player um yeah it's not like i'm relying on starlin martes or guys with speed or bad approaches which as they get older they start swinging more and you know selling out for power um i don't think my team's built around a lot of those guys so i think i still have a pretty decent window but i'll say it's not the type of window that like Speed has or Housky has, or especially you, like I said, your team is terrifying that all your star players are 24 and 25 year olds. Even duty has got a relatively young keeper set. That's scary. So you guys have better, more open windows than I do, but But, I think, but I
1: think there's a point though. It's like, you can, a window could be longer than you think with guys like Harper and Trout in that they're, you know, Trout especially is an all time great who has a good approach and is still not that old. Yet, And it's although he's not going to be the number one player, you're still talking about, you know, even him playing 130 or 140 games like he's been doing before last season of being a, you know, top 10, top 15 player.
0: Yeah, I mean if if Trout turns in a, a Paul Goldschmidt season like Goldschmidt did for you last year, like a top twenty five. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And that's at 34, 35. So I might still have two or three more seasons of top ten. Like
1: although he doesn't carry the team by itself anymore, it's like, okay, that in combination with another guy or two, and okay, you have a you have a competing team.
0: Right. Yeah. And if Trout can age gracefully, 34, 35, 36, like you know, a Paul Goldschmidt might uh, you know, he could provide that the fourth or fifth best keeper on your team not having to be the number one keeper, but you have to find a guy that is going to be a 40 or $50 keeper to, to stay at the top of these lists. Um, uh, cause it, you need those 40, $50 players or else you just can't hit $200 in value. Uh, yeah. which is what tends to be kind of the, the top two or three teams,
1: the line of, uh, line of all that. Yeah. I mean, I'll be like I said, you're the, those are all, you know, we're all at about $200 between you know, MOOCs at one eighty five here and keeper value. Um, you know, it was the as our sixth playoff team, as we said, and we said that was the sixth playoff team. But it was interesting that it's like, oh, I look at those teams, and if I wouldn't have, you know, those probably would have been the six that I would have picked just based off the eye test as well.
0: Yeah, maybe a Ben or like a Ricky sneaks in there until you see the the rake rankings. Yeah, and then I, you're like, obviously okay. there's
1: very, there's variability in this. You know, if, right. if you know Degrom pitches a full season for Ben, and you know Cody
0: Bellinger returns to form, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, then Ben's a playoff team, and you know. Same thing for Mook. If, if or suddenly gets hurt and dies, then maybe he's not And Acuna doesn't come back so quickly. Then all of a sudden he's maybe not a playoff team, but, but yeah, I'm just saying, you know, if I had to pick those, those would be the, you know, the six.
0: Yeah. I think, it, I think it kind of worked out that way. And like you said, you could make a case for those seven eighth or ninth teams to jump into the playoffs quite easily. If they hit their again, 90th percent. Whereas where
1: you look down at the bottom and I mean, it's, I think we would all pretty accurately say uh, Bill Brennan, pat or sorry i wouldn't put bill in that even though he's pretty close to brendan's it's like you kind of say the brendan pat evan and trevor are just such out of it to start
0: yeah i mean if if any of those guys make the playoffs you know hats off to him especially trevor who's yeah. got a lot of draft capital but like he's got a pretty putrid keeper set right now you know, <laughs> yeah. kirilov would have to grow up pretty quick and be a $35 player a lot which, exactly just so many could things happen. would have
1: to go right yeah, yeah, yeah so many things would have to go right
0: Torkelson etc those guys so you know but if you lay out a two or three year path for him I think he can certainly bounce back uh he does have that top waiver the rookie waiver not that we need to talk about Trevor anymore but he could add a player there um
1: yeah I'm, I'm curious what direction he goes whether he goes the immediate guy or whether he goes with a uh you know best prospect available so to speak
0: yeah. Speaking of prospect again, I've got the Julio Rodriguez and then, uh, Brennan Davis, pretty excited about him too. Uh, that was one of the guys I spent like Well, the you Panther since we didn't have a
1: chance to talk about our teams. Are you, uh, so you're obviously, I feel like, um, Julio Rodriguez, obviously not moving. Uh, do you obviously feel really good about Brennan Davis?
0: I mean, I'm thinking about whether the value of a, a this year player is, um, better than that like i think Brennan davis is probably like a top 10 fantasy um prospect i know he's not that high on a lot of the lists If so you're sitting
1: the- you're obviously like speed and that was the other person i was going to bring it up i was waiting for your spot of like you're sitting in that interesting spot of having a obviously a team that should be in the playoffs and sitting in a position where you you know in low on draft capital where you can add somebody this year
0: yes and there's a few guys that definitely are going to provide this year value um you know i, I won't name any because i know i don't want to blow up anybody's spots if they're trying to stay secretive but like yeah so the decision yeah, is we
1: don't we don't name we don't name names on this spot name
0: names um so the decision is do i drop Brennan davis and pick a guy so that costs me Brennan davis and my waiver spot or do i hold on to davis and then probably go up to the number one waiver so that that's when the yep Julio rodriguez graduates i kind of have my choice or i can i can be you know, the goalie, no one's going to get past me at the number one waiver.
1: Um, We know you love playing the goalie.
0: Right. I mean, so yeah, the Acunias and the Vlad juniors of the world aren't going to slide past me, but if someone takes the 15th ranked guy that I don't feel strongly about, obviously he could turn into the number one guy. So it's still, you have to plant your flag. Um, But yeah, that's uh, something I'm still kind of deciding on Uh, might make some moves here and there. The the one thing I did want to talk about, which I didn't, uh, is Liam Hendricks. I'm keeping him. Oh yeah. yeah. That's a huge change. You know, I always say very
1: uncharacteristic of you, I feel.
0: And I also always make the case that if a bad team is keeping a closer, it's like putting the rims on a Honda civic. Like you should probably just buy a a better car or, you know, put that in an S and P 500 uh, (laughs) account instead of buying stupid rims. Uh, but yeah, Liam Hendricks this year, I think looking at the closer situation it's probably almost worse than catcher. I feel confident in like seven to 10 guys. Yeah,
1: there's like, and realistically, there's like Hendricks and, and, uh, and Hayter. And I mean, and then there's a few more good guys, but
0: like, Bruce, it's like, remember 10 having, years ago when like there was just 30 closers and, yeah, they might have lost. Yeah, now, jobs. now,
1: now there's not even, so then now there's not even like, you know, 20 clear closers. I feel like,
0: right. There's like and, and seven. So,
1: so it makes these guys that are both elite like Hayter and Hendricks and have the job, you know, that much more of a, of a, I guess, a, a value chip.
0: So, so yeah, that, that was basically the decision. Um, there is, you know, I'm, I'm banking on the fact that Hendricks is probably going to give 30 saves and there might only be five or six guys that do that. And you probably and can only name you half you of them. He
1: gives you a hundred strikeouts too, which is, right.
0: um, so, yeah, I think that closers should probably go early-ish this year. Uh, if you've got someone with a job that has a track record, again, those six or seven guys. So I'm just – I'm jumping to the front of the line, taking the number one, number two guy behind Hater. Um, but it's
1: funny the way it works is because, like, a lot of times the teams that have all the picks early aren't the teams that should be drafting closers.
0: Correct, correct. Uh, especially the way that it worked last year with so many of us that made the playoffs last year have so little draft capital – So that was the other thing is like, I can't draft a closer because my first pick is in the fourth round. And if I want a decent pitching staff, I can't take a closer probably with my first two or three picks. Like, so I need to take starters. And
1: and I'm in the same boat as you.
0: So you're scrounging all year long to try to find um, those guys. And it's just like, winner, you have to take the chance that you're going to get them uh, or pay Mm -hmm. through the nose for them um, at the trade deadline you know paying fourth and fifth round picks for guys that are relatively mediocre um do you know how many how many pitchers registered a save last year
1: uh i'm gonna guess hang on so there's 30 teams i'm gonna say 150
0: 192 okay isn't that just wild to think about
1: i remember i had one uh I had one, like I had one of those like three inning saves, I think, from where it was like a guy. I had one case where a guy bulked. I think it was Christian Javier bulked for me, but got a save. It was a start in our league and a save.
0: Yeah, that's. <laughs> 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 well, that's uh, that's not great, but at least you got the save out of it. Like I'll- I at
1: least got, I said, you know, I, I my pitchers staff was so bad at that point. I was like, I'll take the three and two thirds innings and the save, like,
0: and. And 39 guys had double digit saves. Like, again, I feel like 10, 15 years ago, like you had your 30 closers, four or five of them lost their job. You remember the year, year
1: of, uh, you remember the year of like Joe Borowski had like a five ERA and led the AL in saves?
0: Yeah. Where guys chasing 50 or 60 saves like that just yeah. doesn't happen anymore. Ga- like, yeah.
1: Gagne the one year had fi- whatever 50 or 60.
0: Like in my mind, you pencil Chapman in for 40 saves, no problem. You know he's got the job oh but like, not if
1: not if not if you listen to yankees twitter they hate him now
0: well yeah that, that's you gotta another.
1: follow you you gotta follow yankees twitter jamie
0: well i don't i follow a lot of i don't i don't follow but i come across a lot of cesspool twitter i don't need yankees twitter
1: you don't need more Set. you don't need more of that
0: enough media members comment on yankees twitter that i get like a that's taste true, of it
1: yeah maybe uh, that's why i just feel like um i don't know yeah I, that or maybe i just i via mooc i just get exposed to it so much
0: No one saved 40 games last year. Like, when's the last time that That is
1: wild? It's
0: so again, like the catcher, the real Muto and the Hendricks.
1: Saves is becoming a little bit like stolen bases in a way.
0: Yeah, they're like evaporating a little bit. And yeah, now saves you can buy. You can't buy stolen bases. That's the thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can buy saves.
0: To buy stolen bases, you basically have to swap out a starter that you already have. Like it has to line up perfectly. Whereas saves And, and and anybody
1: and anybody who's that good of a hitter and steals bases is never moving anyway.
0: Right, right. Um,
1: you know, unless they're, I don't know, maybe Starling Marte, who's like older, you know, but it's just it's just not yet. Yeah. Closures seem to always be the big chip to move at the deadline of of you know, the Hendricks, the the haters, the you know, all of those guys have moved the last three years, I feel like.
0: And you're paying first second round picks or giving up Chris yeah. Bryant or other keepers. So like there's these guys are valuable. And like like I said, some of these teams like duty probably go a bunch of starters, but might want to add one of those. For sure, uh, closers, especially
1: when he says three—not to give many ideas, but three, three second-round picks. Yeah, but we also said, for once, just build the damn staff. <laughs> <laughs> right,
0: right. So yeah, that's uh, that's the story of the top six teams there. Again, I think they kind of all make sense. If if that was the playoff teams, then it would make sense. But you know, one or two other teams are gonna hop in there. Uh, just as it yeah. always happens. Yeah,
1: always always the uncertain stuff. I'm just uh, I'm excited for draft day uh gonna see you know everybody gonna see everybody saturday morning yell at each other maybe try and order some pizza again
0: yeah 10 a.m yeah Yeah. hopefully we can do it a little bit better this time not get it after three hours yeah
1: well yeah we'll have to try a little better but i uh i'm just excited i'm I'm glad baseball's back glad i'm excited for bobby Witt. i'm excited for everything
0: i love this fucking league man every like last year with all those teams competing like even the Seven, eight, ninth guys like pushing, like people making trades for players instead of just jettisoning players. I hope that
1: trend can. I hope that trend continues this year. I think it's only going to get better.
0: Like the, I think the average player in our league is a relatively skilled fantasy manager. Like,
1: and I also think, I also think too, like we we finally broke that window of people made the player for player trades, and people realize you're not going to get burned by it. Right you know, like you're, I think that was the always thing is P pe- I think fear drove a lot of people doing that. I think now it's like, Oh, like that, you know, it's not so bad.
0: I can trade Lou Trevino. Who's my fifth closer for a bat. And like, <laughs> Jamie's not going to gloat for all time. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. which is
0: everyone's afraid of making the big miss, like trading the, the trout, the stand or whatever. Uh, so that, that certainly holds people back somewhat. And that, that still happens, you know, we're not trading Julio or wit, but like Everyone's afraid of getting burned and you just got to keep, keep trying, man. So yeah, I'm excited. Everyone's growing, getting better at this. Um, and it's really neat to say
1: on that note, don't bother stay away with your Bobby Witt trade offers. Everybody.
0: <laughs> Unless you blow them away, but Unless that's never going to happen. Not after yeah. that home run today.
1: Not yeah, Especially not after the spring training home run.
0: All right, goody. We'll uh, we'll leave it there. We'll uh, we'll You gonna be base. there on Saturday? Yeah, I'll be there, man. We'll uh, all right. Maybe full Looking body suit. It. It's been a
1: while, man. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen you in three years.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I think
1: have <laughs> been doing, I've been doing a pod with you, and I haven't seen you in three years.
0: The pod has been great. Very much enjoy it. Very much enjoy talking to you. I think this is the most we've ever talked about fantasy baseball. Um, That's true. And even just regular life. So it's all, it's all good. I'm enjoying it. Looking forward to Saturday. And then we'll touch base on the pod after the, the draft and see whether duty fucked it up and what the hell is Josh doing with his life and, you know, whether Trevor was able to cash in some of those picks for uh, keeper level players.
1: And if we were able to order food in an appropriate manner,
0: right. Who's having a barbecue at their house afterwards whether house is <laughs> getting some Pepto. You know, there's going to be a lot of storylines, my friend.
1: Well, I'm sure there'll be a lot coming out of it. Can't wait.
0: All right. We'll see you on Saturday. Goody All right. Have see a good you. night.